uh, we, uh, so a little review might be helpful. Uh, we, we find ourselves in, in John chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples have, have left the, the southern region of Judea to head north to Galilee. And to get there, they had to choose the direct route, which would take them directly through Samaria. Now, we learned uh, uh, that a great deal of animosity existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. uh, And that was due to the fact that that the Samaritans were actually descendants uh, of those who had defied Jews who had defied God and intermarried with the Babylonians. Uh, they were viewed as half-breeds by uh, the Jews, and which is a, a very offensive term. They, they were seen as being impure because their bloodline was not strictly Jewish, but it was uh, Babylonian and Jewish mixed together, and that was seen as, as something that was unacceptable by a true Jewish person. Um, most Jews... Uh, when traveling, if they had to go uh, north or south between Galilee and Judea or vice versa, um, the, the direct route was through Samaria, and most of them would take that. But Samaria was often viewed as just something that uh, an, a location or an area you had to get through quickly. It wasn't a place you wanted to stop and sightsee, as it were, because lo and behold, you might come in contact with some Samaritans, and that would have been uh, something that would have potentially even made you unclean as a uh, a religious Jew, at least in the eyes of the religious leaders. Um, Jesus, on the other hand, uh, along with his disciples, they they don't just pass through uh, Samaria. They actually stop near the village of Sychar to rest and eat. If you remember, it tells us early in chapter 4 that, that Jesus was wearied from the journey. He was tired, and, and so he stops and he rests there by uh, what was known as Jacob's Well while his disciples went into Sychar to purchase food uh, so that they could eat. And it's here that Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, we covered this, but, but we need to touch on it again, that Jesus goes against all social expectation, expectations by engaging the woman, uh, basically by asking her to give him a drink from the well. Remember, it was hot, he was tired and thirsty, and so he asked her for a drink. And this leads to a conversation about physical water versus living water. It leads to Jesus revealing his supernatural knowledge of the woman's adulterous life. And it also leads to a debate on worship. And finally, and I would say even breathtakingly, it leads to Jesus revealing to her that he is indeed the long-awaited Messiah sent from God to bring eternal life to his people, living water. Now, the last time we were in John, I had skipped over verses 28 through 30 and, and focused more on the disciples' response and their conversation with Jesus upon their arrival, finding him in this conversation with the Samaritan woman. It, it wouldn't be an overstatement to say that they were shocked. But we know that, that the disciples had much to learn about the priorities of Jesus as it related to his desire to bring glory to the Father and to fulfill the ministry that the Father had entrusted him with. And they, the disciples, needed their perspective changed as well. 
And so this morning, we're, we're going to turn our attention back to the Samaritan woman. And then, Lord willing, next week, we're going to turn our attention to the Samaritan village whom she went and spoke with, which we'll hint at that a little today, but I want to focus more on the Samaritan woman. And so as we consider our passage this morning, I want you to think of the Samaritan woman as an unlikely evangelist. Uh, that's, a, that's a great way to describe her, I think. So I, I want to read this morning uh, John chapter 4, verses 28 through 30, and then verse 39. Excuse me, verses 27 through 30, just for, or 30 for the context. It says, Just then, as G, after Jesus had revealed himself to the woman as the Messiah, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, quote, he told me all that I ever did. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the snow this morning, even though it hinders what we would normally have uh, together as, as your people, uh, as a time of corporate worship, Lord. I, I thank you for a day of rest for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I thank you uh, for the reminder from your word, uh, uh, of, of the promise to your people in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, as they were, were called to repent and turn back to God, uh, that, that, oh, their sins, uh, although their sins would, were as scarlet, you would make them white as snow. And Lord, I, I thank you for the knowledge that for those who have uh, turned away from their sin and turned to Christ in faith, we have the knowledge that we have been washed as white as snow as well. And, and so whether we are looking outside, enjoying it from the warmth of our homes, or whether we're out traveling in it or shoveling in it, or shoveling it, Lord, I, I pray uh, that we would do so with that picture in our minds. In Christ, we have been purified. Lord, Lord I pray for your help during this brief time in your word. I pray that you would use it for the good of your people. Lord, I thank you for the dear brothers and sisters that make up New Hope Christian Fellowship. What great friends and support they are. Uh, I bless you and praise you for them, Lord. I, I pray you would give them a, a good day of, of worship in you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, As we consider the woman at the well as an unlikely evangelist, we, we need to keep in mind that, that we've already, um, as we've studied this passage, uh, uh, established the fact that this Samaritan woman was someone that no upstanding Jewish man, upstanding, uh, would speak with in public, um, 
because she was an adulterous woman. Now, in fact, no upstanding Jewish person would have would have had any type of communication uh, other than what was absolutely necessary with any type of Samaritan. But when you factor in that, that it was a woman and factor into that, that it was a woman who was known for her adultery, then it would it was scandalous in the eyes of society for Jesus to, to take such time to speak with her. By cultural standings, our standards, if, if Jesus cared about such things, this conversation would have never happened. She'd been married five times, and she was currently living with a man to whom she was not married. And sadly, as we hear this today, we're often unmoved. We're often shocked by, by what's taking place here because of how far society and the church has fallen with our view of marriage and, and even uh, God's call to for his people to sexual purity. Hmm. I was talking with Angela last night uh, about how I could best explain the scandalous nature of this encounter and even the woman's conversion without crossing a line that, that, that might set up a stumbling block for some. So, so this is the best I can do without being overly graphic or, or using examples that, that, that could potentially be stumbling blocks for some. In our day, it would be similar to, to seeing the, the local pastor engaged in a conversation in public with a well-known prostitute. Now, sure, the, the Christian side of us say that, that everyone needs the gospel, so, so how can the, the pastor not talk to her, right? Well, that's the right answer. But, but how often when, when, when something like that is seen, you see such an encounter, that, that, that the mind immediately goes to the worst possible place. How can he be talking to her? Doesn't he know who she is and what she's done? And the answer is yes. In the case of Jesus, absolutely Jesus not only talks to her, but he goes a, a step, a, a far greater step further by ultimately revealing that he is the long-awaited Messiah in verse 26. And we see in this passage that this scandal-ridden, adulterous woman responds to the news that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 28, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So, so the first thing that the, the, the woman does is to leave to tell others. But she doesn't just leave. In her excitement, she leaves her water jar behind as well. The, the very reason she went to the well to begin with. Remember, this took place around midday. We, we saw that early in chapter 4. It was hot out. Most women came to draw water either in the morning or in the evening. And they always came in groups. But, but this woman came alone when she thought no one else would be there because she was an outcast. And after her conversation with Jesus, after receiving the living water, temporary needs like the water that she came to draw from the well became unimportant. 
Carrying the water jar back to town with her would have just slowed her down. And she had important matters to attend to. She had to tell others. Brothers and sisters, that should be our response to meeting Jesus through faith. She was an undeserving sinner, yet Jesus revealed his true nature, his true identity to her. What love, what kindness from our Lord. And friends, we are no different and no less sinful in God's eyes, yet our eyes were open to the truth and we believed. How can we not want to tell others? How can we not want to to tell the world with excitement? It's the greatest news ever. So, So this woman, this unlikely evangelist, now has new priorities. And we see in verses 28 and 29 that she also has new boldness. So she went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She went to the people who had shunned her. Remember, she came to the well at a time when she thought no one else would be there because she was an outcast in the eyes of her people. Yet she goes to those same people to proclaim Christ. She wanted them to know him. Come and see. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. The villagers knew who she was. They knew how she lived. She lived under their scorn. She lived under their judgment. Yet because of Jesus, she had a boldness to tell others about him. Why? Because they needed to know. We we can say what we want about this woman and her past, but we must recognize this great act of boldness and love in her going to the very people of her village in boldness to proclaim the truth. Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. She doesn't hide or justify her guilt. Why? Because she's received new life. She then asked the question, can, can this be the Christ? It seems almost too good to be true. She understood her guilt, and, and the prospect of redemption is almost unbelievable to her. Now, as I reflected on my own conversion experience, I, I can relate to that feeling when you begin to realize how guilty you were before God and the great price that was paid by Christ. And not only that, but the great gift that is offered through Christ. How can you not be excited? How, how can you not want to tell others? It, it, it seems almost too good to be true, but it is. It is true, brothers and sisters. This promise of forgiveness and reconciliation to God floods us at conversion with joy and wonder. We know we were given a gift that we did not deserve. Amazing grace. We love to sing it. But here's the problem. As we continue our Christian walk, sometimes that joy and wonder wanes in our lives. 
What's happened? What, what, what's gone wrong? Where has this joy and wonder gone? Well, brothers and sisters, when that is the case in our lives, we must recognize that God is not the one who has changed. It is us. She had boldness and joy because she recognized that, that her great debt had been forgiven. We had boldness and joy because we recognized that a great debt had been forgiven and that we had been restored to God, reconciled to Him. We have still had a great debt forgiven and we are still reconciled to Him. Brothers and sisters, we must return often to, to the wonder of, of the gift of salvation that we have received through Christ our Lord. Rediscover that joy, rediscover that wonder, not take for granted this Christian life, these blessings that we have been given in Christ, but every day take time to, to marvel at the fact that God would save such wretches as we are. He takes us who deserved his wrath, who deserve hell, and picks us up out of the, the sinful mire and, and washes us white as snow. And rediscover the joy that is ours in him. The woman's testimony is convincing. Verse 30, they went out of the town and were coming to him. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. They go to Jesus and many believe on the basis of what she has said. Her testimony I'm sure they were shocked that, that this woman who, who was the source of such derision from the village had the boldness to come and say these things. And then when she is open to them ab about the things that they whispered about her behind closed doors or shamed her about publicly, they had to listen. This woman who probably would not lick a single one of them in the eye was now delivering the greatest news they could ever hear. It says they believe because of the woman's testimony. Now, a testimony is simply our story of salvation, how we came to faith in Christ. And this is a, often a powerful way to begin sharing the gospel with others. And I can tell you over many years of church ministry and involvement in different Christian activities, sharing our testimony can be done very well and can bring much glory to God. Uh, but it can also be done very poorly if we are not careful. So I want to give you a few principles when it comes to, to, to working on sharing your testimony of salvation with others. Uh, and, and I want to encourage you to do that this week. Sit down and take some time, especially if you're struggling with, this, uh, with, 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 with that continued joy and wonder that we should have towards Christ and the gospel. If you're struggling in that, you should take some time to, to write out your testimony and remember 
what was done to save you and what you've been saved from. Uh, the first caution I would give is, is as you plan to write out a testimony, I would aim short, five minutes or less. Uh, but, but guard yourself against the temptation to glorify the sin that once uh, characterized your life. We, we want to be honest, uh, but, but we don't need to, to make the testimony about us. The, the, the testimony is about the one who saved, saved us. We want to get to Jesus quickly. But what type of person were you before you heard the gospel? What about the gospel began to open your eyes to your need for what Christ has done? And, and run to the cross. To, to, I, I would emphasize also what we would call the, the forensics of salvation. If you like to watch crime shows, you understand that you have a, a forensic lab or, or a team that will come out to a, a crime scene to investigate. And what the what the forensics are, that's the evidence, the facts, the things that, that they find there that will direct them to the culprit, whoever committed the crime. Well, the forensics of, of salvation are, are the facts. The, the facts, our guilt before a holy God, we deserve condemnation. We deserve hell. What God did to remedy our situation, Jesus came. He lived the perfect life and, and then offered himself freely on the cross where he bore the wrath of God for our sins, bearing the punishment that we deserved so that we could be restored to God forever because you've responded in faith to what he has done here are the forensics you have been declared righteous in the sight of god because jesus was righteous for you and he bore your sins punishment point out these objective truths salvation is is way way more than simply how we feel about god but it's what Christ has done to restore us to God. So those are, those are the facts. You want to you give people all that they need to begin to understand that, uh, that, that, that there is something that, that God offers me that is way more than simply a, 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 an upper for a while, feeling a little bit better about myself in light of all my mistakes. No, that's not it at all. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, sometimes we struggle even more with, with regret for how we once lived. And, and, and the Christian life is, is learning what it means to, to walk in that forgiveness that Jesus has supplied for us with gratitude. So reflect on who you were, run to the cross, and lay it out objectively what has taken place because of what Christ has done for you and your faith in Him. But I would encourage you to do that because it is good for us. It is good for our faith. Now, I want you to know that there is a greater testimony. That's part two of what this message was going to be about. We, we want to tell them what, what Christ has done in our life, but, but we want to go to the greatest testimony about what Christ has done and who He is and who God is, and that's, sorry, that's through the Bible. That is the greater testimony. So, so think of your own public testimony as, a, as you setting the table. You're, you're having friends over for dinner and you want to impress them. And so you get out your best china and, and glasses and everything's right there. That's your testimony. 
But they're not there to look at your plates and your saucers. They're there to eat your food. And that is the word of God. That's where God speaks about himself. That's where your experience is validated because God says, yes, this is how it happens. This is what you need. But I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next week. But that's also why I would encourage you to, to, to include scripture in your testimony as well. You want to leave them with objective truth that, that is timeless. Your circumstances might look different than theirs, but the gospel and the need for Christ is unchanging. The woman at the well is an unlikely but an effective evangelist. And we will see next week from the response of the people their faith in an even more powerful witness, the witness of Christ himself. Now, there are a lot of ways that a passage like this can go in, in uh, John chapter 4. You, you, you have people who have addressed things like racism and, and, and partiality from this passage, and it's certainly there. But if you do those things at the exclusion of the point of the passage, Christ offers salvation. Remember the, the purpose of everything that John has written in his gospel? John chapter 20, verses 30 and, and 31. It says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus performed in the presence of his disciples, but these have been written so that you may believe and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, I may have butchered that a little bit. Um, but, but John records this encounter with the Samaritans, those that were in some ways seen as enemies of the Jews, so that we begin to see that salvation is for all people through Christ. That's, that's the point of this section of the Gospel of John. When, when we continue in chapter 4, uh, once we get into verse 46 through the end of chapter 4, we're going to see that, 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 that Jesus doesn't just give the Gospel and, and reveal himself to the Samaritans, but also, even more shockingly, to the Gentiles as well. And so John is making the case here in these early chapters that, hey, you know what? This message of Christ, this message of salvation is a message for all people. And brothers and sisters, we need to celebrate that reality. We need to find joy in it and we need to tell others about it. The, the woman at the well was an unexpected but effective evangelist and we should be as well. May God bless you this week. Thank you for watching. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for this day and again for your word. Uh, what a gift it is to be reminded uh, the, uh, of the great uh, kindness and mercy you show to all people. Lord, none of us, all people who believe, none of us deserve to be forgiven for our sins. None of us deserve the promise of reconciliation, uh, the hope of eternal life. But in Christ, you have provided all these things. And Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for being faithful to the very end so that those who would come to you by faith would not be disappointed. But Lord, we would experience joy everlasting. Thank you for that joy. And pray this in your name. Amen.